are you, Michael fucking Myers? I'm never sensible if I can help it! Never answer the- I'm bored. Wait! Welcome back to Michael Freaking Myers, a horror and sci-fi podcast which comes out twice a month. The first episode of each month comes out on the 13th, and that is where I get to talk about whatever I've been enjoying recently. And then the episodes on the 30th um, actually follow a theme. So um, since this episode is coming out on the 13th, I will be announcing at the end of this episode the theme for the episode that comes out at the end of this month. Um, Hopefully that made sense the way that I said that. I should probably make a script for that little explanation since I say it differently every time. But hopefully you got the gist. Um, So yeah, because... I am a college student, and I am nearing the end of the semester. Things have been very crazy for me, and I have actually only watched one movie since the last um, time that I recorded an episode. So I didn't intend on discussing that movie for this episode, and for that reason I didn't take notes on it, and so I don't feel like I am up to um, having a full breakdown and discussion of it. So I will... Um, put that one on the back burner and review it fully another day, but I did want to talk about it just a little bit today, um, since it's really the only um, horror movie content that I have for today's episode, aside from a little segment at the end, which um, you'll just have to stay tuned for if you want to see um, what that's all about. So the one movie that I've watched since the last recording is Scream 4, which um, I think I mentioned it in my first episode as well. Um, It's one of my favorites. It's my second favorite in the Scream series. Um, I like it almost as much as the first movie. It's it's just like a little bit below that first movie for me. Um, And I've actually been watching this movie a lot recently, and it's kind of happened by accident, but I'm not mad about it at all. Um, Last summer, um, almost a year ago now, I did a marathon of the first four Scream movies. Of course, the fifth one wasn't out at the time. And um, so that was the first time that I've watched Scream 4 in the past year. And then I also ended up watching it twice in December in preparation for Scream 5, uh, which came out in theaters in January. Um, So this was, let's see, the fourth time that I've watched Scream 4 in the last year. So yeah, I'm not I'm not tired of it yet. I'm not mad about it at all. Uh, I still enjoy this one a whole lot. Um, it's really the only one for me that has stood up to a whole lot of rewatches other than the first one. Um, Scream 1 and Scream 4, in my mind, are very much like, like they're consistently good every time I watch them, no matter how many times I watch them. And then 2 and 3, I kind of like, it just depends on the day and my mood. I can enjoy them or I can kind of feel like really nitpicky and like find a lot of flaws with them. Um, But Scream 1 and 4, I always find some kind of enjoyment in putting those movies on. Um, So like I said, I will review this one fully on another episode, but I did want to kind of mention it here since it's really um, the only movie that I've watched recently. Um, But it's definitely one of my favorites, and I just didn't want to go into the details when I, I didn't take notes or anything like I normally do when I'm um, preparing for a podcast episode. So, um, and I also feel a need to defend Scream 4 a lot because a lot of people hate on this one. And it's fine if you don't like it, but um, I feel like I need to just come prepared with all of my arguments on why Scream 4 is a good film and why I love it. 
So I will do that in a future episode, um, date to be determined, but not on today's episode. Um, the main thing that I want to talk about today is actually literature, because um, this semester I'm taking a literature course, which we've read a lot of interesting works, um, only a couple that I've really enjoyed, but I do think all of them have been worth reading for the most part, other than a couple. <laughs> um, so one of those books that uh, I just finished um, since the last episode is Louise Erdrich's Tracks. So this one, it's kind of hard to get into a plot summary, because even if you read the back of the book, there's really not a lot that it tells you about the plot, and it's hard to explain the plot in a way that sounds appealing without um, just the context of the writing style and the characters around it, which you get when you're actually reading the novel. Um, So there's not a whole lot of plot. There is some, but the story is mainly driven by the characters, for sure, Uh, which definitely appeals to me sometimes. I have to be in the right mood for it, but luckily I was for this one. Um... So yeah, it's definitely more of a character-driven novel, um, and I do want to present some trigger warnings here. There is, um, it's, so the author is partially Native American, and most of the characters are Native American, or partially Native American within this, the novel, and there's a lot of talk about colonialism, um, colonial violence, like stealing of land, all of those things are very central to the novel, so if that's something that triggers you, then Um, It's good to be aware of that. And there's also something that could be construed as sexual assault. Um, If you read the novel, you'll kind of understand why it's it's not totally clear um, how that should be defined, because there's kind of an element of magical realism to it, um, where it's, it's not quite something that would necessarily happen in our world. Um... Not that it, it, it might not be impossible, but um, it's not something that typically happens in our world. Let's put it that way. And um, it definitely reads um, similarly to sexual assault. And I think if that's something that makes you uncomfortable, you'd probably be um, not happy to find this in the story. So I just wanted to present those trigger warnings. But I've been spending a lot of time with this narrative and these characters because I'm actually writing my final essay for this class on this book, so they've been taking up a lot of space in my mind recently, Um, and it's kind of hard to talk about a book that um, doesn't have a whole lot of plot, and it it would just be really difficult to try to even explain the plot, but um, yeah, I did want to recommend this one. If you're interested in Native American literature or character-driven novels, uh, and those trigger warnings are not going to be um, problematic for you, Um, and this is also part of a series uh, it was not, um, it is chronologically the first in the series, but it was not published first. Um, the first one that was published, I believe, is Love Medicine, which comes a little bit later chronologically. So this one is technically a prequel. Uh, I haven't read any of the other books. This is the one that was ass- on the syllabus assigned to our class. So this is the one that I read. Um, I enjoyed her writing style. Uh, I've seen, um, as I've been reading a lot of like critical reviews about this book, Um, I've seen some people critiquing her writing style, so I guess that's like with anything. You either like it or you don't. Um, But yeah, that is Tracks by Louise Erdrich. Hopefully that discussion was in any way coherent. Um, (laughs) My brain is not very coherent at the moment, as you may be able to tell. 
The second one that I want to discuss is not a novel. It's actually a nonfiction piece. It's a very short book. It's like less than 80 pages, I think. Um, but it's called 19 Ways of Looking at Wang Wei. And it is written by Elliot Weinberger and Octavio Paz. P-A-Z is how that's spelled. Um, so this book is really interesting to me. Um, it may not appeal to a lot of people, but I think um, that if it sounds like something that will appeal to you, then I think you should definitely pick it up because it's been super interesting for me. Um, I've been slowly working my way through it, even though it's a really short book. You could probably read it in one or two sittings, um, but I've just been so busy that I've just been slowly working my way through it. Um, but this is all about translation and interpretation. So there is a um, four-line poem, which was originally written by Wang Wei, and it was originally written in Chinese, um, I think. And <laughs> I apologize if I get any information wrong. I don't have the book here with me at the moment. Um, and so Elliot Weinberger has um, gathered 19 different translations and interpretations of this poem. And he kind of just provides like a brief, um, like a brief analysis of what makes each translation unique and how does it relate to um, what's actually present in the original text? What does it add on? Um, all of those things, which is, it's really interesting to me to see all of these different translations and to just think, um, just to think about the way that we use speech and um, if we're reading a translated work, um, there's so many things that go into that. Um, and it's also been really interesting to to read about um, Weinberger's perspectives on um, how much presence should the translator themselves have on the translation, or should it be um, more strictly just interpreting what is what is in the source material? Um, so that's been interesting for me. Uh, I also really like Weinberger's voice. Um, he's really funny, um, very humorous, and I just had a really enjoyable time reading this. And it's definitely given me a lot to think about with translation and interpretation. Um, so that's something that was interesting to me personally. Um, it may be super boring to other people, but um, it is a super short book. So if it sounds interesting to you at all, I would give it a shot and just see how it goes. Um, yeah, so now I want to talk about some movies that I want to watch. Ones that I've been uh, wanting to either watch for the first time or to rewatch, but I just haven't had the time recently. Um, a lot of these I either own on DVD or I have checked out from the library. Um, because, like I said, I've been wanting to watch them. It's just a matter of finding the time to do so. So the first one is Halloween 2 from 2009. So this is the Rob Zombie... Um, it's kind of a remake of the original Halloween 2 up until a certain point, and then it goes in a completely different direction. And I've only seen this movie once. It was, let's see, I think it was in the fall, maybe? Maybe like around August or September the first time I saw this one? Um, I'm not sure. Time goes so, time passes so strangely these days, it's hard to say. But the first time I watched it, I wasn't really sure what to make of it. And so I definitely want to give it another chance. And another thing that's interesting about this film is that the director's cut and the theatrical cut are very different films. Um, 
I think generally the difference is that the director's cut is a little bit more pessimistic, um, but also the ending scene is very, very different. Um, I won't go into spoilers, but there are some things that happen in the director's cut which are um, pretty controversial um, in terms of the, um, just the Michael Myers character and um, like the mythos around Michael Myers, I guess you would say. Um, and so those have been some controversial choices. And the director's cut was the one that I initially saw. I have never seen the theatrical cut, but I did purchase it on DVD because it's kind of hard to find. So I wanted to make sure that I had a copy of it so that I could watch it eventually. Um, I've been wanting to watch that one for probably three months now, if not longer than that. Um, but I just haven't gotten around to it. So hopefully I'll be getting to that one in the next few weeks. Um, and that one will actually tie into the prompt for the next episode. So we'll see about that. Um, I've also been in the mood to watch any of the Friday the 13th films. Um, I've watched a couple of them recently. I think in January I watched the 2009 remake. Um, and I gotta say, that one that one really has held up for me. I honestly enjoy it more with each watch. Um, and it's it's quickly becoming one of my favorites in the entire franchise. Um Although my main gripe with it is the, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? There's an extreme amount of gratuitous and unnecessary female nudity, uh, which you kind of expect to an extent in a lot of slasher movies and especially a Friday the 13th film, but it's, it's done in a way that is, um, not very tasteful in my opinion. Um, it's just very extreme and over the top in the 2009 one, um, but yeah, that was the one that I watched most recently. Um, and then I also rewatched parts two and three at some point in the past few months. Um, I can't remember when, like I said, time is just, time does not exist for me anymore. <laughs> um, I was going to say it doesn't exist during the semester, but really it just, it just doesn't exist at all anymore for me. Um, so I've been in the mood for um, one of those Friday the 13th movies. I may end up watching Freddy vs. Jason specifically. I'm not sure. Uh, I've only seen that one once and I've been meaning to rewatch it, but, um, we'll see what happens. Another one that I've been wanting to watch is Scream 2022. So I saw it twice in theaters and I, the first time I enjoyed it, but I didn't, I wasn't crazy about it. The second time I, I had a lot of emotions the second time that I watched it. Um, I think just everything about, like, um, the homages to the previous entries in the series and and to um, the now-deceased Wes Craven, who directed those first four films, um, I think those were really touching to me, and so they kind of caught me emotionally the second time that I watched it. Um, and also some things that happened to, to the characters were kind of emotional for me. Um, but I'm still not quite sure how to feel about the film overall. I do think it's a solid movie. I'm just not sure, um, in my mind, like, do I group it with Scream 1 and 4 as those movies that I can always come back to, that I always find something enjoyable in, or is it going to be more of, like, a Scream 2 or 3, where I can catch it at the right time or the wrong time, just depending on how my day is going, um, so I have that one checked out from the library on DVD, so I'm gonna be watching that one again soon, for sure, um, although it may not be in time for the next episode, I'm not sure yet. Um, so we'll see about that one, because that one could also tie into the prompt for the next episode. Um, 
Yeah, and the next one that I have here is Chucky Season 1. So this actually comes out, um, I'm recording this on Monday the 11th, and this one actually comes out on DVD tomorrow, Tuesday, April 12th. Um, but by the time that you all hear this, it will already be available on DVD. So I'm definitely going to be purchasing the DVD for this one. Um, I really have a lot of respect for Don Mancini as a creator, um, and also for... Um, the entire franchise of Chucky as kind of like his, um, I don't want to say it's like his baby, but like kind of in, in a way it, it does feel like that in recent years. Um, even though I haven't been crazy about all of the movies that he has directed and written in the franchise, uh, I really respect him. Um, um, he's also an out gay man so that, um, I have a lot of respect for him in that way because it's, it's never been easy to be um, a marginalized person in any space, um, whether it was the horror community or um, just being in the public eye in general, um, and it's still not to this day. So I have a lot of respect for him in that way. Um, but also to bring kind of those elements of queerness into Chucky, um, into a major horror franchise, uh, I just have a lot of respect for that, and I think it's really great. And I've heard that Chucky season one is pretty queer as well. I think the two main characters are like, um, like maybe adolescent boys and they're kind of like kind of figuring out their sexuality and things like that. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to watch season one when it, it was airing on TV um, because it was happening during the semester um, last fall. So I didn't get a chance to watch it. And so I'm definitely going to be purchasing that one on DVD, uh, if not tomorrow, then in the next few days. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to watching that one and um, kind of forming my own opinions on it, and also preparing for season two, which will likely be airing this summer or this fall. I'm not sure exactly if the release date's been announced yet. The last one that I am in the mood to watch again is The Boy. Um, I saw this one in theaters when it came out. My cousin and I went to see it, um, and I really don't remember much about it. I do kind of remember there's like a twist at the ending, and I do remember that, but I don't really remember like how I felt about the movie, if I enjoyed it or not. And it came up in conversation with one of my friends recently. And I thought that I wanted to watch it again. So I checked it out from the library. And there's also a sequel. Um, I think the sequel's already out. I don't remember when that came out. Um, but I may end up watching the sequel if I enjoy the first one. So we'll see how that goes. So... Um, kind of unexpectedly, those are all rewatches except for Chucky season one. Um, so yeah, and funny enough, that actually ties into the prompt for next time. So I generated a random number and then went to the corresponding theme on my spreadsheet. And so the number was 32 and the theme is second chance. So in my mind, when I created this prompt, I was thinking that it would be like, um, for a movie that I didn't really care for the first time, and then I could go back and revisit it and um, just kind of look for things that I enjoy, um, even if I don't end up liking it any more than I did the previous time. So naturally, with this theme being second chance, you can um, kind of interpret that however you want, and I may end up stretching it a little bit, um, although I think the idea would be um, it should probably include, like, a rewatch of some kind, even if it's, like, an old favorite. That could still be considered a second chance, maybe. Um, I don't know. However you want to interpret it. And if you do end up watching something that fits the theme, um, feel free to send it to me. I'm on Twitter at Michael F. Myers. Um, you could also interpret, like, something within the film as being a second chance. Um, 
I'm struggling to think of an example at the moment, but maybe if like, um, oh, you could totally do like Scream 4 or Scream 2022 because like the characters are returning to something from their past. Um, so you could totally interpret that as the second chance as well. Um, yeah. So I may end up interpreting it um, a little bit more loosely like that as well. Um, but I'm probably going to end up watching one of those movies that I mentioned previously. That's pretty much going to wrap it up for episode three here. Uh, I do want to give another shout out to Fun With Horror, which is one of my favorite podcasts. They are super awesome dudes. Go listen to their show. They had an episode last week that covered um, the movie Fresh, which is, uh, I think, a Hulu original horror film, which has like Sebastian Stan in it, um, whom you may know from some of those Marvel movies. Uh, and then this week, by the time you're listening to this, their episode will already be out, but I haven't heard it yet. Uh, but they are covering Antlers this week. Um, and I can't remember any of the actors' names in that movie, but I did watch that, um, I think, in January, maybe. Um, and it was all right. <laughs> um, so I'm definitely interested to hear what they think about it, because I have some mixed feelings. Um, so yeah, thank you all for listening. And once again, you can reach out to me on Twitter at Michael F. Myers. And I will see y'all on the 30th. Have a good one.